0: Listening Dog Media.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: The Offside Rule, we get it. It's brought to you by Continental Tires.
2: Hello, thank you very much for downloading and listening to the Offside Rule. We get it, and it's that point of the season we can talk champions, relegation, a little bit of David Beckham as well to come. Uh, I'm Lindsay Hooper, joined by...
1: Hayley McQueen.
2: Hi, everyone. And Kate say hello. Hello, ladies. It's the weekend we were all waiting for. Lots of confirmed (laughs) promotions, relegations. And it so happened that it coincided with three games to go that Chelsea were crowned Premier League champions. Um, So we'll talk about that as well. Loads to get through. I think we just have a general chit-chat for this one. Let's start with campioni. We'll start with all the positives. Um,
1: Campioni,
2: campioni, Ole, Ole, Ole. There you go. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, So, Chelsea won the premier league title as i mentioned they've got three games to go so they've done it in style and um, also the rest of the leagues up and down the football league were wrapped up this weekend just gone so i want us to take a look at the champions of different leagues pick out maybe a key stat a result or something interesting or integral about them winning the league i'm going to start as always with Haley.
1: Oh, well, I'm going to head up to Scotland because I went to the Scottish PFA Awards at the weekend where Celtic celebrated winning their fourth successive league title in Scotland. And of course, two of their players, the main player, Johansson, won the Players Player of the Year. But this is a one to watch, actually, because they have a young man by the name of Jason Denny. Now, I say young man, he's 19. He looks about. 29. He's a very big, strong player. And and he won Young Player of the Year as a defender. He's a centre-half. And he was one of the reasons, along with Celtic's brilliant defence all season, that helped them be crowned the Scottish Premiership champions. So they had a brilliant um, title-winning weekend. So Stefan Johansson was named the main award. Uh, Jason Denier, as I mentioned, um, he came on as a sub in the European Championship qualifier against Israel for Belgium. So this is another young Belgian player to watch. And the reason I want to mention him as opposed to a stat for the club is he is definitely going to be one to watch.
3: All right, well, I'm going to go to the coast, to the seaside, to Bournemouth, to look up the magic behind their promotion to the Premier League. What a great story that is. And when you look back through some of the history of Bournemouth, and I'm sure a lot of you will know this already, um, the club was so penniless back in 1997 that a bucket kit collection was arranged to raise money for the Cherries. Um, that's when current manager Eddie Howe was a player. The fans led the rescue and they actually took over um, the club. Um, it was under threat of administration again after that, so that wasn't the end of their woes. But uh, we know how they came back from that and how they've made their steady rise through the leagues. In fact, they were almost um, relegated out of the Football League uh, originally. Since then, though, part of their story is that they've got a Russian millionaire owner, a Maxim Demin. Now, not much is known about Maxim, actually. In fact, many have said that he could wander through the streets of Bournemouth completely unrecognised. Um, so little is known about him, but I guess maybe we'll be seeing a little bit more of him now. So for me, it's what's happened behind the scenes and the fact that originally players like Eddie Howe um, and chairman at the time, Eddie Mitchell, um, really rallied round to get that club to, the, to where it is today, and it's a complete dream really that they're now playing in the Premier League. Another factor I think to them um, and their charge towards promotion, towards their route into the Premier League was that 8-0 win over Birmingham. If we're looking for kind of decisive moments in their season um, first time that they'd scored 8 in a league game um, since uh, <laughs> since 1939 believe it or not when they uh, scored 10-0 um, against a side um, but the game was expunged because World War II broke out the next day so quite some time since they'd recorded that sort of scoreline. But that scoreline being pivotal to their confidence and to the fact that they
2: really, for large amounts of the season, were just indestructible, weren't they? Well, I'm going to kick us off with an interesting fact before I get into a said team who's been promoted. So, get this. You go up and down the leagues, the top seven leagues of English football, and they have all been won by a team beginning with B. Barrow, Bromley, Barnet... Burton, Bristol City, Bournemouth and Boring Chelsea. (laughs) I like it very much. I think
1: of that Premier League team.
2: I was like, what? (laughs) That's that's a stolen joke, by the way. Uh, But could it be Brentford, that means, and through the playoffs? Another big. No, up against Middlesbrough, definitely not. I thought you'd say that,
1: (laughs) Hayley McQueen.
3: This is really interesting, listeners, because we have a battle that's going to ensue over the next couple of weeks between Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen. Hayley, of course, a Middlesbrough fan, as well as being a Manchester United fan. Lindsay, a fan of Mick McCarthy. So Ipswich and Middlesbrough, both
2: battling it out to get that playoff position. But I'm going for Brentford now. I know I love Mick. No, I am, because from a work point of view, it's a very good... (laughs) (laughs) It's round the corner from me.
1: (laughs) Or you could just come and visit my family in in Teesside. Go on. Oh, still
2: not being up there. Still not being to Newcastle, even. Uh, shocker. Uh, let's talk about Chelsea. I feel like I should redeem myself with Chelsea fans because that was just a little bit of a joke. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a really good uh, bit of information. Any players who, and you might be aware of this already, but I'll translate it into actual minutes, but any players who think, you know what? I can't quite cope with a full season of Premier League football. Um, it's not often I heap praise on John Terry. But listen yeah. to this. He's played every minute of the season. Do you know how, how much that equates to? On. 3,150 minutes of football. So any players yeah. who start whinging who are who were below sort of 29, I would, if I was a manager, be issuing stern warnings. The last time I heard that kind of figure attributed in minutes to a Chelsea player, was when Fernando Torres hadn't scored for Chelsea <laughs> in quite a long time. <laughs> so we're back to dissing them again. Um, I will mention that Chelsea parade through Fulham um, to actually celebrate the Capital One Cup and their Premier League trophy May 25th. There you are, just anyone who wants to go and cheer them up. Do you want another secret to success? Bristol
3: City, our Sean Thorne, who's uh, taking a break from Twitter topic of the week at the moment, but he does still edit this wonderful podcast. So big up to the lovely Sean. He's a Bristol mm-hmm. City fan, if you're not a regular listener to the podcast. So he is in Heaven. absolute ecstasy, yeah, at what's happened to his club, particularly after a real yo-yo few seasons But the secret to Bristol City's success when we're talking about minutes on the pitch uh, and um, goals notched up by those players is that 18 different outfield players have chipped in with goals this season for Bristol City, including five who have reached double figures.
2: Isn't that incredible? One more thing to pitch in with. So we've seen the bus parades that have happened. So Bournemouth, did you see how many people um, just flooded out the beach, Bournemouth Beach? That looked incredible. Who said Bournemouth was full of people with violet and blue rinses, eh? No, (laughs) there there were a few, but not that many in sight. Um, It it was really good to see. But the the thing that just caught my attention was actually Watford's bus parade. Now, if you were a player and you're celebrating, you obviously want to capture every moment, don't you? Maybe you'd take your latest smartphone, take a few pictures. Maybe even like David Beckham and Victoria Beckham did, we'll come back to him later uh, at the London Marathon, they, they got the old video camera out, didn't they, to Aww. film Romeo Beckham coming over the line at the mini London Marathon. Oh. Uh, maybe you do that, you get your video cam out. Oh, no, Herelio Gomez took it one step further. If you look back at the footage, and if you get to see any of this or any of the pictures of Watford's bus parade, he's wearing a GoPro camera on his head, (laughs) taking it all in. But not very well thought out, is it, having a GoPro on your head when you think about all the other media? No. Because every time they're filming you, a.k.a. Sky Sports yeah. News, for instance, Haley, he's there with a GoPro camera on his forehead. Yeah. I can't say he's going to cherish those photos from the team
3: bus... No. Uh, ..when he's got that, that on his head. But we'll have to pledge to make a visit to Bournemouth. Kelly, who works with us here on the Offside Rule uh, podcast, works behind the scenes at Bournemouth, so we'll have to convince Kelly to maybe let us host a podcast there, perhaps. <gasps> In a deck chair on the beach, would
1: love it, with an ice cream. Pre-season warm-up. Yes. Brilliant. In the diary.
2: Yeah, don't you? Your allegiances. I remember when Brighton sent you a calendar, Hayley McQueen.
1: (laughs) They did. (laughs) Still got it.
2: (laughs) Brighton Brighton Arm in the Premier League
3: are they um, can I just chip in with you know we made predictions I'm, 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 I'm only raising this because it's in my favour of course who did I predict would go up from the championship was it Was it
2: Watford and Bournemouth oh yes it was yes and worth pointing out and do you know that I predicted where Wolves would finish do you remember what I said just outside I said 7th place and there we in were in fact you missed out by
1: what 4 goals or something uh, yeah let's not go on to the goal difference <laughs> you, you know the predictions that I make like Graziana Pelle was never going to make it <laughs> and they He was just, you know, the only thing we were going to see were his good looks, no good goals or anything like that. I also tipped Derby to go up, didn't I? Yeah, I think I did too, actually. (laughs) Uh, Kate Borsay wins on that one.
0: I'm Gary Neville and you're listening to The Offside Rule.
2: We've spoken about some teams that have been celebrating. Next topic is parachutes needed. (laughs) Um, In the Football League, we have seen many teams relegated as well, I'm afraid. So some in more controversial fashion than others. Blackpool's match being abandoned after the fans sat in and had a protest against Huddersfield. Apparently that is not going to be replayed. Um, What I would like you to do is pick out two relegated teams each, something that we might not already know regarding them. And I'll give you a little... uh upfront confession. I don't really have much to say about this, so I'm going to hand <laughs> over to you.
1: Let's just take you to some of the teams slightly lower down in the leagues and some issues that they have. We have Yeovil Town, who sacked their manager, Gary Johnson, didn't we? After three years in charge, second spell at the side. Well, he's now manager of another relegated side, so he's having a terrible time of things. He leaves Yeovil, isn't able to keep Cheltenham Town in the football league and they've dropped out for the first time in 16 years and they've had real issues there. He's the fourth manager to take charge of Cheltenham Town in a season. That's where, in my opinion, it's all gone wrong. Mark Yates sacked after five years. Paul Buckle drafted in as a replacement on a rolling contract. They rolled him straight out of the club, lasting just 79 days. Russell Milton stepped in and Johnson is in charge of, unfortunately, a side who have crashed and burned. But guess what? The start of the season, things were looking promising. Unlike Chelsea, who have remained the top of the Premier League and have gone on to win the title. Six matches in, guess who were the top of League Two? Chelsea Cheltenham Town. That's right. Who'd have predicted back then? A bit like Derby, who've crashed and burned and have fallen from the heights of the championship. They actually picked up 14 points from the first 18 available. They won four and draw two of their matches. So who'd have predicted that they would have crashed and burned? Going back to, to Cheltenham Town again, they do have some great things going on behind the scenes. We mentioned that the manager situation. It is a bit of a mess. Well, what about Clive Going or Going? I'm not too sure how to pronounce his name, but he is going nowhere because he joined the actual board using a £222,000 legacy given to the Robbins Supporters Trust by a fan who sadly passed away. So Clive then comes in, uses the money. Now, Clive is he's not a successful businessman. He is just a supporter as well, one of the longest-serving supporters of Cheltenham Town. So it came from lifelong fan uh, Brian Jacob, who died back in 2013. He actually served as the trust secretary and did a very great job there, but used his own money and didn't give it to the families of... of his own family he, he left it to the football club he actually had a little bit more money than that but he left two hundred and twenty-two thousand pounds there we have it um members voted to use the money to accept a long-standing offer uh, from the club for a permanent seat on its board of directors so in comes good old clive mm. it's a nice
3: story it certainly is, and it is a real shame about Cheltenham, actually. It's one of my, well, it's probably my, my most local club uh, when I was growing up, Cheltenham and Oxford, so it's a real shame what's, uh, what's, what's happened there. And um, Leighton Orion, let's take a look at uh, what's happened... To them and where they might have gone wrong. Well, we know that Barry Hearn sold Lake Norrient last July time, wasn't it? Before the season began. Um, the, the secret as to why they might have gone down? Well, possibly. It's because Barry Hearn has revealed that uh, when he sold the club, he told new owner Francesco. Bocchetti, uh, to ring him if there was ever any need, ever any need for help. Has Bocchetti rang him? No, he hasn't. Is that where they've gone wrong at Leighton Orient? Who knows? Um, They, of course, have uh, gone down now to League Two. Real shame, that one. Um, Of course, there was a long legal battle, wasn't there, about use of the Olympic Stadium, and it just seems that after they took a hit on that, things have gone downhill a little bit. Uh, coupled with the fact that uh, Baccetti hasn't uh, called on Hearn for help, he brought in many of his own staff, many of his own experts from Italy. Uh, apparently language was a huge problem at the club as well so looking behind the scenes there at what might have gone wrong. Wigan, well there's such, such a shame what's happened to Wigan really. There was the whole hiring of Malky McKay, not a great move from Dave Whelan. There were comments by Dave Whelan, not a great move by him. And then of course the fact that David Sharp, who's the grandson of Dave Whelan um, took over as chairman of the Club at Just twenty-three years old. One of the first things he had to comment on was, of course, the dismissal of Malky Mackay. So not a great situation to be in at all. There, average attendance is Well, they say that a club that doesn't have any support is a club that's going downhill. Uh, the average drop from just under twenty thousand during their last season in the Premier League to fifteen thousand last season, uh, around about twelve, thirteen thousand this season. It's always going to be difficult at Wigan, isn't it? It is a rugby league town. Uh, they always struggle with their football support and yet they really need to be on the crest of a wave doing exciting things to maintain that support. It just hasn't happened for them. And um, again, a real shame um, as to what's happened to the club there, diving down through the leagues, something that uh, Lindsay Hooper knows all about with her experience of Wolves. Lindsay.
2: I'll have you know, it's been quite the rebuilding project at Wolverhampton Wanderers under Kenny Jackett. Let's talk about his former club though. I'm going to return back to Millwall. Um, Just dissect a few things that went wrong for them this season. Neil Harris, by the way, permanently in charge now to try and get them back into the Championship next season. But looking at them, and as a club that I've, I've reported on quite a few times, they conceded far too many soft goals this season. That's one of the things that happened. They didn't score enough. Strikers were a real problem for Millwall this season. I think that's one of the main reasons it went as bad. As it did, and um, also they had some of their key experience players missing. People like Nicky Bailey, Carlos Edwards, who used to play for Wolves as well. Little Wolves link there. Um, they missed most of the season. Um, and think Holloway, when he came in, he tried to inflict a certain style of football that, at that point, wasn't working. You know, a lot more passing to the game. I think actually sticking a man up front might have been just what they needed rather than trying to pass around and use the wings as much. The home form, I mean, Millwall is the den, has usually been a, a place that other teams have feared to go in the season, but the home form wasn't sticking up. So there's a lot of reasons as to why Millwall have uh, have been relegated. Um, I think when the, the relegation was confirmed, the club moved swiftly to announce that Neil Harris was going to be in charge to try and give that consistency and give that, them the best hope of returning next season. Um, I, I actually feel quite positive about Millwall for, for getting back
3: up. I don't know about anybody else. He's their all-time leading goal scorer, so he's a real pivotal figure at Millwall. And also that will keep the, the fans happy. We all know that that Millwall fans love a bit of a moan, don't they? It's always a glass half full. So hopefully this... Um, inspiring appointment
2: will um, lead them to be positive about next season and the, the, the final thing to say and to point out which is a bit of a stat if you're not aware as a Millwall fan at uh, 20 players of yours are out of contract this summer wow. 20 so I think you're going to see a lot of changes wow. at Millwall um, some key players and you won't know what's going to happen to them like Jimmy Abdo Mark Beavers Lee Martin Nikki Bailey who I've mentioned Martin Wolford, Carlos Edwards Jack Powell Ricardo Fuller um, loads of them that are, that are out of contract so there's loan signings as well that, that come up it's going to be interesting to see who gets offered new contracts and who doesn't mm.
1: yeah it certainly will be interesting to see however a side who are going to be playing League 2 football next season but we're playing Manchester United in the FA Cup just a matter of months ago in January in fact Yeovil Town Yeah, it's a bit of a curse of the manager situation, isn't it? Because we mentioned relegation-cursed managers Gary Johnson of Cheltenham, uh, formerly of Yeovil Town. Well, they now have Paul Sturrock, who's in charge, and uh, was actually relegated for the second consecutive time in his first game in charge. He takes over the club, first game in charge, two days into the job, and he actually left... Um, conference side Torquay. He spent just four days there as an advisor before he jumped ship to League One side. He knew that they were never going to be staying in the league. Why he took the job, who knows? But he's looking forward to life uh, in League Two. But can you believe a side that uh, were up against the likes of Rooney, Angel Di Maria, de in Goal and Falcao as well? And actually, they put up a really good fight. There were nearly 10,000 fans at Hewish Park. And at one stage, I thought, hold on a minute, United are struggling here. Hundreds of millions of pounds worth of talent on the pitch and just tens of thousands of pounds worth on the other side. Of course, United actually went on to win 2-0 in that particular FA Cup game. But Yeovil put up a fight, but maybe they used up all their energy in that match. They crashed and burned for the rest of the season.
2: Are we going to leave all the relegation stories there then, girls? Yeah. Um, Can we move on to David Beckham? I'm going to hold off just one minute because we've got to go for Sue Smith, a WSL latest roundup from her, and then we can talk all things Bex.
1: (laughs) The WSL Roundup, brought to you by Continental Tires.
0: Hi guys, here's my weekly women's football roundup. Okay, this weekend we had a little bit of a break from the league, and we've been focusing on the FA Cup. So the two semi-finals were Everton against Notts County, and that was on Sunday. And then it was Chelsea against Manchester City on Bank Holiday Monday. So I'll start off with the Everton against Notts County. Um, They were playing at possibly the best ground in the Premier League, Goodison Park. Well, maybe I'm being a little bit biased there, but still a a great experience for the girls to play there. But after playing against Everton this year, a few weeks ago, I know it's not going to be a walk in the park for for Notts County. Everton are a a very organised team. They're very young, so they've got lots and lots of energy. And they're also quite resilient. And they showed that in the game because at half time the game was still nil nil. The second half showed Notts County just showed their class and and they really had a, a comprehensive performance you could see you know just at the end of the game how much it actually meant to the notts county players that that they are going to Wembley they're going to play the final there and it was it was just a, a great experience for for them and and then you could see the disappointment in, in everton's faces so you know that the two contrasting sides but it, it seemed like a, a very good game up until the second half where i think notts county just showed their their dominance okay the other semi final was chelsea against man city this was a really difficult one to call Chelsea are obviously in excellent form in the league. They're undefeated, they're playing well. So you could probably say that they were slight favourites. However, knowing Man City and knowing that the players that they've got... They can definitely cause an upset. And although they have started quite inconsistent this season, I would say it's probably because they've not actually had their best 11 out on the pitch due to injuries, due to suspensions and and things like that. So I think once they get everyone fit and available and back playing, I think they're definitely going to be a a force to be reckoned with. City actually had some excellent opportunities that I think they're probably going to look back on and think we should have scored. But they didn't. And the game was won by who else but Chelsea's Ji so Yun, PFA Player of the Year. She just showed her class, and it was it was the 84th minute of the game. So it took until that time to actually break the deadlock. So Chelsea are playing Notts County at Wembley on the 1st of August. I actually can't wait to watch it. Just wish I was playing because it is what dreams are made of. As a young girl growing up, you want to play in FA Cup finals and you want to play at Wembley and and these girls are going to experience that. So I just hope there's lots of fans there watching from both sides and I'm sure it's going to be an entertaining game of football. Okay, that's it for me. I will hopefully speak to you all next week. The
1: female take on football.
0: Well, I know this is a topic that Hayley McQueen has dreamed of coming
2: up. Um, in fact, I thought you'd be at the uh, celebrations in Marrakesh, to be quite honest, Hayley McQueen.
1: Uh, 40th birthday. I mean, obviously, I, I, I couldn't be there because I had to go up to Glasgow to the Scottish PFA Awards. Otherwise, of course, I'd have been on the plane with Eva Longoria and Jerry Halliwell and Emma Bunton and Brooklyn and the various other guests as well, yep. Yep. Yeah, Spice Girls reunited apart from No Mel B. Mmm.
2: Oh, no. (laughs) But We're we're, (laughs) going to keep this Bex focus. So I want us to go over um, and and relive some Beckham moments on the pitch and off the pitch. We're going to have a Bex loving, because he has turned 40, one of our favourite players for many different reasons. Uh, So let's talk about a key moment on the pitch, first of all, and then also a moment off it that you really like to cherish. So we'll start with Hayley as the closest person to him. I feel like six... 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 six, Yeah, as the closest... Of us three, the closest person to him, having met him, um, I I feel like sort of
1: six degrees of separation just by knowing you. Yeah, he's my close personal best friend. I'm now following him on Instagram. He probably hasn't noticed me liking every single one of his pictures (laughs) because he now has about four million fans already and it's steadily rising, isn't it? But I just think it's quite remarkable that he's won four different leagues Mm. in four different countries. You look at poor-bloomin' Gerrards, <laughs> right. achieving nothing in one country, and, 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 and actually, I would have to say, a better footballer than David Beckham, I think you'd have to agree. And it's funny, isn't it, that you've got, like, the greats. David Beckham is a great, but he maybe hasn't been the greatest footballer in the world. What price loyalty, eh? I know. Like you. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got Pele, who was the best in the world, in his day, Maradona, Ronaldo, and you put Beckham's name in there, but he was just absolutely brilliant... Uh, bringing the best out of his best. He might not, not necessarily have been the player that was gonna, kind of kind um, of dance around the opposition, Ronaldo style, I guess you'd have to say. Um, real key season for him, of course. You have to go back to 1999. Um, but United actually needed to win the final league match of the season. It was a big home game against Tottenham. Um, Tottenham took an early lead in the match. It was David Beckham, um, who I guess displays big game temperament. He always steps up to things. He, he kind of doesn't let the big kind of occasions get the better of him. And he's quite a shy, quiet person, isn't he, really? Despite the fact that he is this huge superstar and still fairly humble with it as well. Uh, but he, he, he steps up, um, scored the equaliser, and of course went on to win the league and the match, and everything else as well. Um, they'd won the league, the FA Cup, on course for that treble, and it was David Beckham and um, a couple of corners. And they're probably the most famous corners ever in Manchester United history, or even footballing history in the Premier League, of course. So you talk about
2: Gerard being a better player, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that he is a better player. I think that they both have their strengths in, in different areas. Mm. But in terms of free kicks... Passer of the ball, um, some of his finishing as well. David Beckham, yeah. I think, well, sometimes is really underrated. Yeah,
1: he is, but then there are still some skills that he lacks. I think, yes, passing, sublime. The way that he manages to curl the ball, some of the goals he scored have been spectacular. But if you were to compare him to, say, I don't know, Ryan Giggs, Ryan Giggs is a better footballer. Mm. Pulse goals, mm. better footballer.
3: Mm. I think, mm. I, you know, I think although Beckham has. Um, moments of technical genius all round, Steven Gerrard is a better player. You'd want to take Steven Gerrard and your team over David Beckham, for me anyway, but I'm a Liverpool fan, obviously biased, but but I think when you look at the records, Beckham was always a great galvaniser, he was great at getting the team together and he was great for those flashes of genius, but Gerrard
2: puts in an all-round performance time after time. I actually think that he single-handedly in the World Cup qualifiers uh, for the 2002 World Cup I I think he got us there pretty much on his own. I mean, there was the famous free kick against Greece, um, and and you look at the sidelines and you always think about that special relationship that sven Jöran Eriksson had with David Beckham. And you know why, because he came to his rescue. It wasn't just that game. Throughout that campaign... Bex came to the rescue on numerous occasions. That's why Sven
1: loved him so much. Yeah, it was stepping up to the occasion again, the big game. He actually missed quite a few crucial free kicks during that game. And I think Sven was thinking, this is never going to happen. But when it came to it, when he needed to make sure that his, his head kept cool, he,
2: he did it. And let's talk about his head, because that for me is something that brings in the off the pitch and the on the pitch together. But one of the key things that everyone will always remember is that this was a man that was vilified and hated when he got the red card and got sent off, who managed to pull the press, the media and everyone around. And right now there is a huge David Beckham love in. I think not many players would have the mental strength to be able to overcome that and to be able to then put in the performances and, and, and certainly have the balls when it came to taking that free kick to, to keep us in that, in that qualifying campaign. So I think those are the things that define him and, and that stand out in my memory.
3: Leading on from um, some of your points, actually, if uh, the 1998 World Cup was his tournament horribles, then 2002 was his tournament, not just in qualifying for it, but also the winning goal in England's 1-0 win against Argentina. That dumped Argentina out of the World Cup early. And of course, um, England did really well. Beckham did really well in that tournament. He totally redeemed himself. He was... uh, uh, Akin again to the nation's hearts, and um, England were great during the tournament, as was Beckham. They um, lost at 2-1 to eventual winners Brazil, didn't they, at the quarter-final stage? Um, but yeah, very much a highlight for me in Beckham's career was coming back and his performance in that 2002 World Cup. Um, did you know, I mean, Beckham's obviously famous for endorsing a lot of things, isn't he? Um, one of his worst endorsements, though, whilst we're having a David Beckham love-in, I'm going to say I don't love this about Bex at all. Uh, one of one of the worst endorsements, um, Fish Fingers. Do you know Beckham's got his face on some Fish Fingers? Oh. Very fishy, I tell you. Um, uh, his uh, they're, they're actually called David Beckham's Omega 3 Fish Fingers. There's a, a little picture that I'll share with you here. There you go, Beckham endorsing a nice box of fish fingers. Wow. Yes, perhaps not one of, the, one of the best deals, perhaps it was lucrative, perhaps that, that was the reason, um, behind it. Um, uh, another side to Beckham, of course, is the hilarious opulence that him and his wife Victoria Beckham sometimes surround themselves with. Um, started with complete aplomb by the fact that when they got married in 1999 OK Magazine paid £2 million for those pictures not just any pictures of course we saw Posh and Beck sit on those thrones it was meant to be a joke wasn't it from Victoria Beckham but I took it very seriously here were the king and queen of football here here was the king of football with his wag it started off the whole wag revolution she's not the queen of football <laughs> let's not give her that status but he started a craze for the wag him and Victoria started a
2: craze started an interest in football as well like there had never been before. Off the pitch, one of my resounding memories was those matching leather jackets. Do you remember when they had that picture and they'd got matching leathers on? And it was that moment where I thought, "Mm, it doesn't matter who you are, how beautiful you are, sometimes there's things that you
1: just don't do. (laughs) It's like the double matching, double denim as well, a bit like sort of Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears as well. They managed to not pull it off, Mm -hmm. nor did Mm. Posh and Beck's. But yeah, And there was the sarong as well, wasn't there? That was not a great move.
3: Um, and then the fact that there was a, a nativity scene at Madame Tussauds with Posh and Bex, and one of their kids, probably Brooklyn, was the baby, but it got completely vilified, it got completely hammered by religious people, saying that it was blasphemous to basically say that Victoria and uh, David's baby
2: was baby Jesus so it had to be quickly uh corrected there was also all all the rumors to do with their first born Brooklyn and the fact that he was named after the place where where he was conceived and everyone thinking we're just glad it's not Peckham
1: Peckham Peckham <laughs> where he was from yeah
2: <laughs> we're gonna leave our Bex love in there but um should we just say happy birthday Bex think that he might download the offside rule and
1: have a listen. If you're listening, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Beckham.
2: Oh, no. Oh, no. You just completely lo- I'm just going to say happy birthday and quickly move on from Kate Porsay's Marilyn Monroe impression. Uh, thank you very much uh, for listening to the offside rule. We get it this week. We will return because there are still three more weeks left of the Premier League season, three more games to go. There'll be plenty more for us to talk about. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at offside rule pod. Um, I actually was with Shrewsbury Town Football Club. As they they were runners-up. Uh, got some great pictures on the pitch. If you're a Shrewsbury Town fan, um, if you can follow at 182 on Instagram, some nice pictures mm-hmm. there. Uh, we also have an Offside Rule pod account there. And there's loads more to come from us. Keep an eye on the website. We've got some announcements to do with the Women's World Cup, um, which will be forthcoming. So go to offsiderulepodcast.com. Uh, but bye for this week.
1: Bye for now. Bye, everyone. <laughs> The offside rule, we get it.
0: Is brought to you by Continental Tires.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.